Do you feel like there's no value in your life? Real life starts now. Welcome to Real Life with Evangelist Ann and Kathleen Lay, where people with real problems find answers in a real God. Welcome to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Ann Light. Later in the show, you'll hear from Sakura Baez, who was on our previous show, who felt like there was no longer any value in living her life because of the horrible things she had done and that were done to her. You know, for me, I remember that time in my life where I felt like, who am I? Why am I here? And I don't think anyone even cares about me or loves me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there was no value. I wasn't planned by my parents. And it's a very empty feeling and a perspective that can really bring someone into depression. Yeah, there's many, many reasons why people can feel like there is no value in living their lives or any value in their actual lives or mm-hmm. the substance of their lives because of things that have happened to them or things that have not happened to them. Promotions, jobs, titles, that kind of thing. But what does the Bible say? You know, the Bible says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. That verse is from Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31. And, you know, when you look at that, you have to realize God has numbered every hair on your head. Mm -hmm. You have such great value, not because of what you've done, but Mm -hmm. because of who you are. You're made in His image. That's so true. God loves you and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Let's hear from Secura after the break. Real life is made possible by people like you. We'd like to take this opportunity to sincerely thank you for your generous support. We couldn't do it without you. May God bless. Welcome back to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Lay, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Lay. Hello, everyone. Joining us once again is Secura Baez, and she was with us on our previous show, sharing with us how she was raised in a Christian home, became a Christian at four years old, but she was getting molested as a little girl by her stepfather, and then it continued as she got a little bit older, seven, eight years old. And then she felt suicidal at 14. She held it all in. She was angry. She was cutting herself. And when she attempted suicide, she ended up not dying. Thank God. And the Lord spoke to her heart and said to her, you can live your life like this, or you can live your life like this, but you won't die until it's your time, basically. So we're going to find out more from Secura right now what happened. Secura, thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Now, I understand that after that moment, you really got close to God. You were like, wow, God is real. You went to church. You became a leader. You went to a Bible school oh. where, unfortunately, things didn't work out there for you. And you ended up feeling rejected. Their ideas and your ideas weren't mixing And so you were pretty upset. Tell me how you felt in that moment where you left the Bible school and what did you say in your heart? In my heart, I was like, okay, so I have tried to be as good as I can and that did not seem good enough. Now I will go the opposite way and find out how bad I can be and see what that looks like. Wow. It is a 180 and went the opposite direction. So you must have been pretty angry with God and with Christian people. Is that right? Yes. Like I was just disappointed and I was hurt 
Oh. And so this cycle of rejection from the time I was a child all the way through into my 20s continued. I ran to the arms of rejection and I found out that I could be really, really bad. Wow. And as you became really bad, you were dating a guy, got pregnant at 20, gave the child up for adoption, which was actually a good thing at that time because right after that, you got into hardcore drugs where you were doing cocaine The new boyfriend that you had was doing cocaine and got you addicted to it. And at first you thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. He's successful and he's not suffering, so I'll be successful. And so as you started to do this drug, what changed in your world? What started to happen? Well, it escalated into a habit where it was almost $3,000 a month. And I looked at it from this perspective and it was like my heart gradually became more and more hard. And it wasn't something that happened overnight, but it was like one bad decision led to another bad decision. Mm. I saw how much money was coming out of pocket to support my habit. Mm. And I was like, well, I could do this. Mm. This is easy. And so, therefore, I ended up going from an addiction to cocaine to an addiction to meth, which then pulled me into a whole new world. And since I was a legitimate businesswoman with a business license, I got tangled up with some prostitutes and some women who were involved in the escort services. And they asked me if I would run the business end of their business. Mm. In exchange for that, they would keep me supplied with drugs and I would run their ads. Mm. And that eventually led to like if their customers wouldn't pay, then I would show up with a baseball bat and threaten to make a ruckus if they didn't compensate the girls for their services. Wow. Mm. And it was just this vicious cycle and you were becoming very angry and hard hearted And things were happening in your life that were bad, but you didn't even really care. You were like, whatever. You didn't care if you lived or died. In fact, at 30 years old, someone you were dating with who became your husband pretty much threatened you. You were getting in problems with him and you said, I'll take my life. And you ended up again trying to commit suicide. Can you tell me about that? I had been through this vicious cycle and so much trauma and drama that I adopted this attitude of if somebody told me I wouldn't do something, I would do it just to prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. And so we had gotten into an argument and he said those words, you won't do it. And so I was on Depakote at the time because of some mental health issues. And it was a hundred pills plus, and I took the whole bottle and seated it out in my hand. And he looked at me again and he was like, you won't do that. (laughs) And I did. I took the whole bottle of pills and I swallowed every single one of them. And he just stood there in shock. Wow. And you know, there were some crazy things that happened to you in between. And it was almost like judgment day for you because you were in fights with guys. You were actually raped by some men. They put some tranquilizers in your drink when you went to a bar you were beat up. You were also almost left for dead. All of this stuff happened to you. And yet you were still being hardcore and not turning to God. Most people after one little thing might say, okay, God help me. But what was keeping you from turning to God at that moment? It was my pride that was keeping me from turning to God because it was like, God, I survived all of this. I used to call my addiction like a gradual suicide because God had told me that when I was 14. So it was like, okay, if you won't let me kill myself, then maybe I can get someone else to kill me because I really did not want to live. I had no value for my life. Mm. I had this mentality of if I die, I die because there was so much pain. It was like, please put me out of my misery. 
Wow. And there are people who are trying to be put out of their misery, but what we have found out is that they have a purpose and God has a plan for their life, just like he did yours. In fact, finally, when you really hit rock bottom, I mean, things were going haywire, you ended up in jail. Tell me about that. So I was picked up on October 15th of 2005. I had multiple felony charges against me, and I had a great deal of drugs on me. I had a backpack full of fake money and blank titles and identities and so on and so forth. It was just one of those moments where it was like, God, I see your hand on my life. I'm not stupid. So they didn't search my backpack, and they did not search me. In fact, they gave my backpack back to my husband untouched, Mm. and I had kept up my identity at bay, and I just had this come-to-Jesus moment where it's like, God, I've been through so much trauma. God, I'm done. I went to the bathroom. I flushed all the drugs down the toilet, and at that moment, God said, because you've honored me in this, I'm going to honor you, and you will not do one day in prison. So from that moment forward... It was a process of learning to give that anger and that frustration and that hurt and all that trauma and all those wounds over to the Lord. And it wasn't suddenly, it was a process of releasing and forgiving. And more than I had to forgive anyone else, I had to forgive myself Mm -hmm. for allowing myself to stray so far from the Lord. And he even told me, he said, I'm going to ask one last thing of you, and that is that you plead guilty to all your charges, which goes against anything that any criminal would ever do. And he told me, he said, because you know that the charges against you are nothing compared to what you're guilty of. But if you'll trust me in this, I will make sure to work on your behalf. And as I'm standing there in front of the judge, getting ready to be sentenced to 25 years in prison, there was a technicality in the paperwork that did not allow them to send me to prison. Wow, that's powerful. And you realized how merciful and loving God was at that point. And when you really surrendered to Him, there was something that you told me where you said you had to learn to love. It wasn't an overnight thing. It was like your heart was being warmed day after day because you had so much anger and hatred in your heart. And so there's someone listening right now and they want to kill themselves. They hate their life. They're angry. They're bitter. What's one thing you would say to them right now to give them hope? I would just say to you that Jesus loves you. He loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. And if there's enough grace for me, there's enough grace for anyone. And anything that you're going through, if you will release that to him, he will justify you. He will be faithful to you. And he is the father, the mother. You are not alone and you are not an orphan. Mm -hmm. God has you in the very palm of his hand. He created you in your mother's womb and he did not create you without a purpose. Mm -hmm. And if you ask him, he will show you exactly what that purpose is. Someone out there need the gifts that are unique to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Shakira. God bless you. And we thank God you are alive and well. You know, this is a story about value. There's times in our lives where people don't treat us with value. And so we feel like we have no value. But the truth is, you are very valuable because Jesus gave his own blood for you. Mm. He paid a high price for you. And so Jesus... We say, will you accept that value that you put upon our lives, your very blood? And so we receive you. We receive the sacrifice you did for us. We believe in you. And we pray that you would guide us, show us 
the value of our future and how we're supposed to go. No matter what we've gone through in life, we know that with you now, that you're going to go from glory to glory or value to upper value in Mm -hmm. Jesus' name. Amen. If you were touched by the show and you need prayer, please give us a call at 877-480-4477. Again, 877-480-4477. You're listening to Real Life. 